0: So, Berto, do you have any anxiety about your health? Do you ever do you ever worry about about, about about your health? Like, oh, what have you heard? I, uh, should I be concerned? Well, Sh- you know, should I be worried? In your life, do you ever get worried about that? <laughs> yes, it's a big yes. Yeah, like yes. like what do you get worried about?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> everything. I mean, I'm definitely a hypochondriac, and um, if I get any sort of feeling that is unusual. I get pretty concerned that it could be any number of things, anywhere from cancer all the way to (laughs) multi-cancer.
0: Multi-cancer.
1: The low end is like, I have a tumor. Mm. And the high end is, I'm dead and I have a tumor. (laughs) Yeah, on the high end, I have 10 tumors. (laughs) I have 10 tumors.
0: (laughs) Well, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about hypochondriasis, they call it, or hypochondria. It's because patron John wrote in. He said, Dr. Dr. Honda, I just recently started pursuing a graduate degree in clinical social work, and I'm interested in your take on illness-related disorders such as hypochondria. Uh, So this is in response to patron John. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the various different disorders, hypochondria, health anxiety, cyberchondria, illness anxiety, somatic symptom disorder, illness anxiety disorder. We're going to uh, look at what it typically looks like. We're going to look at the symptoms. We're going to look at what causes it, and we're going to look at how to treat it, and we're going to share Berto's own stories about this. What do you say, Berto? I love it, man. Let's do it. Welcome to the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I am your loyal host, Dr. Kirk Honda, a therapist and a professor. My name is Umberto Castaneda. I make memes for a living on Facebook. This episode is just for patrons of the podcast. So if you're listening to this and you're not a patron of the podcast, this episode will end before the content begins. If you want to hear the full episode, you have to become a patron of the podcast by going to Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com. Become a patron, and you'll get access to hundreds of patron-exclusive episodes, including this one, in which we do deep dives into various topics. And remember that a portion of your monthly pledge goes towards various charities that we support. All right, welcome to the Patron Zone, people. Thank you for become a, becoming a patron. We love you very much. That's right. You know, whenever we cross over into the patron zone, I instantly relax because I, <sighs> I'm just like, well, we're talking to our, you know, 500 loyal listeners. We're not talking to the enti- right. entire internet. So they don't care. We don't have to have quality podcasts for our patrons, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hypochondriasis. Okay. It goes by other names. Hypochondria, uh, health anxiety, cyberchondria is a term that people... Do you know what that means?
1: Fear of viruses
0: online <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um, no it's referred you know it's a made up word of course that people use regarding when people go on the internet and like oh my god i have that oh my oh, god oh I, I see <laughs> uh, illness anxiety in the dsm 5 it, it it is it, there's two different disorders that they've they used to have hypochondria or hypochondriasis or this kind of thing in the past versions. But DSM-5, right. you have two different disorders. You have somatic symptom disorder and illness anxiety disorder. Bo- oh, interesting. Both of these you would consider to be hypochondriasis. but uh, And we'll talk about both of them. Uh, what do you think the etymology of the word hypochondria
1: is? Well, hypo tends to be uh, actually less because hyper is more right chondria um so if i'm thinking it's less something uh i forget what chondria means but if i were guessing i would say you are less aware of what's happening with your body
0: (laughs) uh good guess um it is Of the abdomen, so hypo meaning under, so hyper is over, hypo is under, and chondrium actually means cartilage. Oh, in in old Greek, weird, and so that makes sense. So under under uh, cartilage or under your sternum, so it's so so hypochondria basically means your your belly,
1: your belly,
0: and in late Latin it meant the abdomen. Hypochondrium. Was basically what you called, you know, it's like, oh, my hypochondrium, oh, is is so acting up, is acting up or I, you know, I, I'm hungry in my hypochondrium, and what? <laughs> because hypochondriasis back in the day was used to describe because that's where people thought that your melancholy came from or your or your worries about, death. Because you feel it in your stomach? You feel it in your stomach, and so you would, so you're saying, oh, you're having a. You're, and then Iasis is like disease condition. So, mm. so if you were really worried about being sick all the time, they'd say, "Oh, you have a condition of your abdomen." You oh, know interesting. I mean? It's because because that's where people would feel it, and and there was thoughts that you know that's where the energy emanated from or something. You know,
1: whoa, I did not know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine why you would, because it's it's a strange uh, etymology. You know, <laughs> who would have thought Hi- hypochondria means? basically of the of the stomach, you know.
1: Which is funny cuz I I vote, I've known for since I was a kid what hypo and hyper mean. Yeah. But but in my mind hypochondriac without thinking about it, I always imagined it was like overly preoccupied. Yeah, right. But then that would have been hyper something. Right. And so I never really put those uh, to to the task in my yeah, head. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love, you know, etymology of words. It's, it's so yes. interesting to 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 learn. All right. So, in a nutshell, what is hypochondria in your mind?
1: Isn't etymology what they serve in Japanese restaurants before you get your meal? Like those little green pods and you eat them? Oh, Oh. edamame. Oh, right. Uh, Yeah, so uh, in my mind, what is it? Like, how does it manifest for me? Uh, Or, you know, for people? Um, I don't know if I am a clinical hypochondriac, uh, but here's how it works in my mind. You are hyper aware of little pains and aches or feelings in your body that seem out of the norm. Or I I suppose in the extreme, you might not even feel anything out of the norm, but you imagine you might have something, and then you your mind starts racing and starts trying to reach conclusions or starts preoccupying itself with what what could it be? And then if another thing that that I've noticed is if someone mentions a disease like, oh my dad went in and he had kidney stones, then in my mind I'm like, wait a minute, kidney stones. What if I have kidney stones? And then I'm sort of like start feeling like my kidneys are not quite feeling right. Maybe I do have kidney stones. How, um, with the whole web thing that you were mentioning, it's sort of worse because you're like kidney stones. And then I'll go online and look at the symptoms and I'm like, has, uh, you know, if you didn't drink enough water, I only had two glasses today. Maybe I developed kidney stones. (laughs) Right. Good. So the, the one
0: element that you didn't touch on in your nutshell synopsis (laughs) is, that it persists after physicians tell you that you're okay. Oh, interesting. Essentially. It's it's impervious. You know, it's it's fine to occasionally be like, huh, wait a second. I think I feel something. Maybe something's wrong. You go to a physician and they're like, well, we've run tests and, you know, you're okay. Oh. And for people with actual the actual disorder, they typically don't respond well to that
1: this might be one of the things that distinguishes me then because from be having the official disorder because the one defining characteristic for me is i will make an appointment with a specialist or a doctor and once i go there even if they can't solve the issue if they say like oh i don't think it's that or i, I i'm pretty sure it's probably this or whatever that is enough for me to calm down <laughs> right. So that doesn't
0: let you off the hook completely, which we'll get into in a second, but often for the more extreme cases anyway, they, they don't tend to respond well to that. All right. Um, now, full disclosure with my 500 patrons, I have a mild version of it myself as well. It, it, it's different than you, Berto, because you're more of a generalist. You you, you worry yeah. about about everything. Like I remember there was a time maybe you still do this you you never put your phone up to your head I still don't do that because you erroneously believe that it'll cause brain cancer i
1: don't think it's erroneous there's been no definitive final study on the matter
0: there have been lots of studies and the general you know consensus is that you're fine i it, also don't use it's microwaves mike would well, depend anyway the point is <laughs> is is that uh you 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 worry about lots of things, and right. whereas I have a problem with like very specific things, and I have like bouts of it, so I could go for a couple of years and everything'll be fine, and then like something like for instance, a couple of years ago. I went to the doctor and I, I had my blood plush, blood pressure
1: blood pressure
0: my blood pressure blood pressure <laughs> red and they said wow you know it's a little high you know it's not not super high but it's on the high end and you know that happened before and I and I was always like well it's probably just because I'm a little nervous being in you right. know at at the doctor's office but then for some reason that this one time that they did it, it it sort of stuck in my head wait a second. Maybe I have high blood. I've 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 never had a normal. Re- I haven't had a normal reading since I was in high school or something. Right. And so maybe I always have it, and it's not white coat syndrome, is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have. So I completely lost my mind this one night, oh and and it was just like I had a you know <laughs> I was pacing around going. I've been, I've been ruining my heart and you know and my and my vascular <laughs> system and I, it, I I've I've done irreparable damage and the and thing <laughs> the thing is is I'm pretty comfortable with my death and but when I get triggered like that it it's something in my brain it creates this kind of loop and I just right. can't get off of it and even in my head I'm like calm down everything's okay but there's something that's sort of triggering around it and then. Which of course raises
1: your blood pressure, <laughs> right?
0: So I ran out and got one of those home, uh-huh. uh, you know, measuring devices and obsessively measured it over like the span of a few weeks and documented it, and because it because it varies from reading to reading, totally. You know? And so I wanted to get an average, essentially, and so I was doing that, and it turned
1: out that it's on the high end, but it's not like a disaster. Did you run into? Because I did the same thing at one point. I bought one of those things. But then I was using it so much at first that I started sort of like feeling residual pain of using it on my arm. (laughs) I'm like, and then I was like, oh no, what if I damage my veins in my arm? Right. (laughs) Right. And you know, you're laughing now,
0: which is fine, but you know, it's, it's no joke. Like, no joke. like you're actually, you were actually like concerned. Yeah. Like it causes distress and it lowers your, you know, it's one thing to be like, ha ha ha, you know, getting old and all the, you know, it's another thing to be losing sleep or you can't function or you're depressed because of it or you know it can cause
1: actual distress you know there's also a different kind I have I have at least two different kinds that I personally experience one of them one of them is more like um, you know that when you do something where you exaggerate how bad something might get so that if it gets somewhat bad you are already bracing for it mm-hmm. like you know the movie is gonna be terrible that way if it's not so bad good I won't be disappointed right well I think I do that with a a range of things like for example for all my adult life I have had appendicitis multiple times like like I don't know 50 times I've had appendicitis where I'm you know I'm at a theater and I start feeling a little pain and I'm like oh that's bottom right Uh oh maybe this is it maybe this is the appendicitis this is gonna be it and I think I somewhat do that just in case it is appendicitis, I won't have to be shocked and chagrined. I'll be like, yep, I knew it, right? Uh, and then it inevitably has never been appendicitis, but it could have been, right? Whereas there's other stuff where I actually think it is far more irrational and more threatening to my mental sanity. Because that that whole thing, in fact, when the pain dissipates, I'm like, yeah, I was probably gas. Then I'm back to normal. Whereas there have been other things where it's not the case. And the examples have been like, um, I think… Uh, with the anxiety, actually. When I had my anxiety attack, which was a real thing, right? For a while after that, when I would feel a little bit of anxiety coming on, I would still, my mind would still be like, no, maybe it is a heart attack. Maybe I am having a heart attack, right? And that one was actually harder to dispel or get rid of, Um even when I wasn't feeling anxiety, I would get anxious about the fact that I might feel anxiety, and it might be a heart attack. Right. So, it was, right. Yeah. Was worse.
0: Yeah. You're describing the process really well. Um, the other example from my life that I could think of off the top of my head was, I was there was a there was a brief span of time where I I I don't usually go to the physician at all. I'll, mm-hmm. I. Full disclosure: I didn't even have medical insurance for like ten years in my twenties. Thanks, Obama, (laughs) because I was self-employed and just you know didn't have an employer as a therapist and and was you know poor enough that spending what would it have been like five hundred bucks a month? Well, no, it was less than that. It was probably it's probably like two or three thousand a year or something, and for like catastrophic health insurance. And I remember just being like, yeah, yeah I'm probably, I'm, I'll roll the dice. I'm probably okay. That's not what you're supposed to do, of no, course. No. And I actually have a client right now who is still kind of suffering the the consequences of, of th- that very thing. Of having rolled the dice. Because he did develop a major illness Oof. in his 20s. And then, uh, but, you know, I keep telling him, look, you know. Lots of people did that. You just you just got like cuz he blames it. himself. He's just like it's my fault. Yeah. I should have been smarter than that. And I'm like, you know, how many 25-year-old men who are self-employed are smart in that yes, way, you know? Right. Anyway, it's just a it's it's a problem in our society that we put 25-year-old people in that situation where right. they have to decide whether or not they need health insurance or you know, whether they should I don't know.
1: Yeah, car payment, health insurance,
0: right? That kind of thing. So anyway, um, I don't go to the physician, but for whatever reason, there was this kind of brief moment where I was going to the physician, like you know, maybe four times in the span of like four or five months or something, for for these random reasons. And there was a fifth moment where I was, I was. I think I was kind of recovering from a cold or something. And I could feel every time I breathed, every other I don't know, every six or seven times I took a breath, I could f- what I felt what felt like my lung was sticking to the inside of, of my rib cage. Oh my god. Do you know what I mean? It felt like it felt it felt kind of like a squeaking, you know, like oh. like something was rubbing and sort of like a like it was sticking. You know, it was yeah. Like,
1: Oh, that's And I could terrible. feel
0: it. Yeah. And I could feel it in one spot, you know, in my upper okay. kind of shoulder area lung. And when I breathed, it would happen. And then I, and then it all, it also started kind of feeling like I had something stuck in my lung. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it, like, like every time I breathe, it felt like maybe something was kind of flapping or something in oh, deep, man. deep in my lung. Okay.
1: Oh, that would freak me out.
0: Right. And so it was, you know, it was something I'd never experienced before. And it wasn't, It wasn't um, making it hard to breathe or anything, but I was like, I wonder if this is one of those things where people say I should have gone to the physician. I should have gone gone early because then they could have caught it. You know, (laughs) they could have got me on antibiotics or you know, I don't know what pneumonia feels like. Right, right. So I go to the physician, and this is like you know the four or five times I've been in recent (laughs) times. And I made an appointment, and it's an HMO group health. Uh-huh. And so I go; it's now Kaiser Permanente, but I go to the the uh, cashier person. They're like, "Okay, what what's the concern?" Because you you know you have to tell them like why. Oh, okay. And and I said, "Oh well, I it's not urgent care; it's just like my regular physician." And I'm like, "Well, I kind of have this thing in my lung or something." And the, and the cashier, whoever's taking the call or whatever, <laughs> they're kind of looking at me like, "Huh?" And so okay, we'll sit down, sir. Uh, someone will come out, and then. Normally, you know, a nurse calls you into the back. Right. They take your vitals. They sit you down. They weigh you. They, they weigh, measure you. You know, <laughs> a doctor, you know, comes in and da-da-da. This time was different, though. Really? Be- I suspect because I had been labeled as like a frequent flyer or oh, something. Oh, no. So I'm sitting in the lobby and a nurse comes out and just sits down next to me and starts talking with me. Oh, wow. And she's like, she's like now what's going on? Talk him off the ledge. And I'm like, and I'm like... Because um, you know HMOs are designed to reduce costs you know they're not right. they're they're trying to think big picture and they're not necessarily interested in individual experience you know sure and so so I think what happened, and I'm interpreting a lot, but I think what happened was they have a protocol like if if someone comes in if with this frequency and they come in with a non-specific symptom mm-hmm. like the one I was presenting, then the protocol is do a a waiting room visit rather oh, than see. drag him back and like, like a cursory set of questions. Yeah. Sometimes. Get rid of them in th- under three minutes, you know, <laughs> because that'll reduce costs. And so right. she comes out and, and I'm like, and she's, and I'm like, Oh, we're just going to talk about it here. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. So, so I tell her and I think she's going to like, she's just in a hurry and then she'll bring me back. And then she says something like, well, you know, it sounds like everything's fine. Maybe drink lots of water uh, get some good rest, and then you know call call us in a in a week or so if it still persists. <laughs> They probably have that state. They probably have that speech for Memorized. for so many different you know things like
1: that, right? Sleep, drink water. Yeah, Tell thank us you. If it's still yeah. bad, also
0: remember to breathe. You know, and, <laughs> and to blink your eyes every now and then. You know, like it's like okay, thanks. Um, and I and I you know as a fellow clinician, I knew exactly what was happening. I was like, oh, she's but but I got my answer. She's not alarmed. Like she's not like oh, classic beginnings classic pneumonia. of pneumonia, yeah, <laughs> or classic blah blah blah. You know, she's just like, hmm, you know, I I don't know, it sounds like sounds kinda of funny and and you know, I went home and, and it and it went away and it didn't come back. And so, you know, uh, it was the right call. But I think I was labeled as a hypochondriac. Oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Have I told my tapeworm story on this podcast? Yes, you have.
0: No, not on the podcast. You told me, but tell it. <laughs> okay.
1: I'm going to tell you guys about the time I had a tapeworm. This was just like Actually, a few two, months. Two like, tapeworms. Like
0: six six months ago or something.
1: Yeah, it was... Uh, I don't quite remember when it was, but I had two tapeworms. Um, so, uh, you know, plug your ears and... Uh, uh, leave the room if you're grossed out easily, but this is what happened. No, it's fine. You're not going to be grossed
0: <laughs> out. You're gonna, you're gonna be guffying at, guffying. at Berto's hypochondria. Um,
1: okay, so a few months ago, I don't know how much there was. Uh, there were some news news things that went out about how they were finding tapeworms in salmon, yeah. in some types of salmon. Um, that was happening, and so I went down to visit my brother who lives in San Francisco, and we were having dinner. And we had this wonderful uh, Japanese dinner. And I had some salmon uh, sushi or uh, salmon rolls, whatever, with quote-unquote raw salmon, right? And we were talking. And as we're talking over dinner, we were actually talking about these news items. Like, yeah, you know, recently there's been this tapeworm. I was like, oh, geez, I hope there were none in this salmon or what. All right. That evening, I went to my hotel, you know, did the usual thing. And I went to sleep. Next morning, I go to use the bathroom. And I... I went number two, <laughs> and right before I flush, I look in the toilet bowl, and there is like a seven-inch long tapeworm in the toilet bowl, a white tapeworm, and it's like the, the back of it is like curled a little bit, and I'm like, oh my, and I couldn't believe it, I'm like, and I like get a little closer to look, and I'm like, oh my God, and I'm like grossed out, I'm like, "That's a that's a tapeworm, and it wasn't like... I know this is a little graphic. It wasn't like with the poop or something. It was just like floating there by itself. And I was like, oh my God, this thing came out of my body. I'm dying. And so I immediately started looking online for information and pictures about tapeworms. And I'm like, sure enough, that is a fucking tapeworm. I had this thing in my body. Oh my God. Are tapeworms visible like that? They are in the pictures I looked at. Okay, in the pictures online that I looked at, yeah. they were visible. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything uh, about tapeworms, uh, but look, look uh, flash forward a little bit. Usually, what you see are segments, white little segments mixed in with your poop. Okay, that's not what this was. This was a full-bodied tapeworm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm freaking out that whole day. Oh, and I do research how to get rid of tapeworms naturally. And it said you can eat like pumpkin seeds and coconut. So I went to the Trader Joe's and I bought a bag of pumpkin seeds and a bag of coconut uh, flakes. And all day long I was popping those. All right. That evening I had calmed down a little bit. I'm like, I'm just going to make an appointment with the doctor. I'm going to go see her. It's probably okay because I've now passed the tapeworm. So, okay. Next morning, I go to use the bathroom. Right before I flush, I look. There is another fucking tapeworm about the same length, same look. It's the same fucking animal, basically. I am freaking – I'm like, I had two of these fuckers? Or was this like the second half of the one? I am freaking out. Now I'm like doubly Googling everything. And now I'm I'm calling my doctor. I'm making an appointment for that Friday. So so just pausing, were you – you know, you're
0: you're sort of saying this in a jestful way, if that's a word. But were were you actually in distress in this moment?
1: I was imagining my body, my my stomach was infested with these things. Like just, I writhing. imagined like the movie Alien. Yeah. Like I'm like I am. But being but taken were you upset?
0: Over. Were you like were like was this a bad experience? You know, it's one thing to be like. Oh my God! I think I'm. A, it's another. thing. It was a bad experience. Like it took over my thoughts
1: that whole two days. Like you're suffering. Yes. Like you're you're in a bad mood. Yes. You're you're depressed. And I was blaming myself because I ate that raw salmon. Yeah. And then I was looking back and I had had. Do you know what I had a cup a month before that? For the first time in my life, I made the mistake at this really fancy restaurant. Raw tapeworms. No. <laughs> of eating beef carpaccio, raw beef. I had never done this in my life. Beef carpaccio is raw beef. Yeah, it's like it's like they mixed it with uh, all sorts of things and uh. stuff. But and by the way, it was delicious. But either way, uh, and especially, I was triply kicking myself because I had become a vegan, most mostly vegan by this point, and I had broken my vegan oath. And I'm like, I either got it from that fucking raw beef, which I should never have eaten, or I got it from last night's raw salmon. Oh my god, I'm gonna die! I was really in distress. Okay, so. On Friday, I go to the doctor, and by the way, I took a picture of the thing, and I, and I made sure I cropped it so you couldn't see any of the poop, and I turned it into a black and white photo and stuff, but I wanted to show the doctor evidence, right? Turn it into a black and white? Why? So it's to make it less graphic, you know? Was there brown stuff? It was, it was, it, the water was not clean, right? So anyways, <laughs> I go to the doctor, and she's already like... You know, okay. Tell me what happened. Vera. So this is this is your physician, my physician that that you've seen a lot that I've seen a lot and knows that you have this issue. I guess she must, yes. <laughs> uh, but to, to be fair to her, she was being completely professional and really listening to me. Good. That's that's the right. thing. I explained and I showed her the picture. Condescension is not not the answer, right? Yeah. In fact, that would have that would have made it worse. I would have right. felt like. So I explained. I showed her the photograph, and this actually really helped me because she calmly said, "Okay, first of all." When she looked at it, she's like, I, I, I gotta tell you, I really do not believe that that is a tapeworm. Number one. And that actually made me feel better. Yeah. She said, now it could be, could be some type of intestinal parasite. It could be. I honestly don't think that's what this is. She, she said, now you mentioned you ate udon the night before like honestly this might be just a bit of fiber this could be a lot of things now what i will say it's is look,
0: udon by the way it was bosnian
1: oh i'm sorry non-japanese uh, udon. <laughs> well, I, udon you know udon yeah, udon like udon, udon 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 is a far cry from udon but i've never heard anyone pronounce it like udon so i don't know no one ever corrected me. No, I think I've corrected you before. No, I don't have not have. We had Udon together. We've had Udon. No, we, no, no. We've had the other kind. The we've had ramen. Ramen. And we've had Udon. And you've told me it was ram, ram, I, ramen. I, I, ramen? Yeah, ramen. 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 It's like ramen, right? It's just ramen. ramen. Yeah, yeah. But I've never had Udon with you.
0: I think you have. And Shun has been around Shun you. has
1: never corrected me, man. Wow. Never. So now I'm corrected. Now I know it's Udon. <laughs> okay, udon.
0: it's just uh, imagine like <laughs> just think of a colombian word
1: oh well, they fuck them up you and everyone and their mothers fuck up colombian or spanish words constantly like what and say one word coffee oh my god wait coffee but that's not the spanish version i don't know see you don't even know the spanish cafe oh it's cafe okay <laughs> but anyways uh empanada like, oh there you go what the fuck you know which one bugs the shit out of me when people say um Uh, Like, uh, vaya con Dios. Vaya con Dios. Vaya con Dios. Oh my God, that drives me up the wall. How do you really say it? Vaya con Dios. Dios. Yes. There's no Dios. It's Dios. Dios. Yes. And it's not vaya. It's it's Dios. Dios. Like Dios. But anyways, I digress. So, I was having my Udon. So, the doctor's like, yeah, you know, it could be so many things. That did put me to rest. What she said was this. Look. Watch it for the next week. You know, it's similar to you. Eat healthy. Don't eat anything heavy. Watch it over the next week. If you're still worried about it, we can run a stool sample. I was like, okay. Did she say you should have brought it in? No, she didn't say that. She was not that concerned about it. Now, so here's what happens the next day. The next day, I am at my mom's, and... um. Oh, by the way, uh, on Friday morning, I was, uh, so I had come back from my trip, and on Friday morning, I was at my place, at my house, and that morning, I I used the bathroom like I normally do in the mornings, and there was no tapeworm. So I was like, okay, maybe I just had two tapeworms. Okay? Nice. Now, Saturday morning, you I... Know,
0: side note, people t- t- purposely infest themselves with tapeworms to lose weight, by the way. Oh,
1: my God, that is
0: creepy. Oh, you get them in these
1: little pills. Ugh. Okay, Saturday morning. Or at least that's what I heard on the internet. I traveled down to Tacoma to go my mom's, to my mom's house. So I'm there. So I'm not in my house anymore, right? That morning, my mom. I tell my mom all about this. Did a tapeworm bust out of your chest? <laughs> yeah, it should have. So I tell my mom the whole story, and she's like sort of not believing it or whatever. But uh, my mom comes down the stairs laughing hysterically while I'm downstairs eating breakfast. And she's like, I think I solved your tapeworm problem. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? And she's like, do you throw your floss in the toilet? And I'm like, what? Uh, what? Yes. Oh, my God, dude. So what happened is when I travel, I take a special kind of floss with me. It's like a thick tape, like a thicker kind of floss. And I, in fact, floss my teeth at night. That's the last thing I do before I go to bed. And yes, I throw my roughly six to seven inch length of white floss in the toilet and I don't flush. So it's still there in the morning soaking water overnight. So it gets nice and plump. And it's so it's a six to seven inch long white wormy looking thing. It was floss and why didn't I see it at home? Two reasons. I use a different kind of floss, but actually I throw it in our garbage can so I don't have to deal with the toilet floss. And so that was my my tapeworm story. It was not a tapeworm. It was floss. Yeah. What did I learn from this? Next time I will be twice as worried because i will know that that time is not floss it's really tapeworms <laughs> you also learn it's udon and you oh also God. learned
0: that when you told me this story another time that you're not supposed to flush floss because flush floss. it can easily get caught in yes. in some place in the various different sewer system <sighs> yes and then it ca- and then things
1: catch on to and it birds and- can get Attached to it.
0: <laughs> well, no, just well, maybe, but but it 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 mainly can. I mean, you've seen those those reports yes. of yes. them just pulling tons <sighs> and tons of of material out of the sewer system, right? And it's all stuff like this.
1: So, what, not only was I being a bad citizen, but I was causing symptoms to uh, make my hypochondria, my hypochondria, what is it called? Hypochondriasis? Hypochondriasis. Chondriasis, go worse. I love your story. It's <laughs> it's
0: perfect. It has all the elements. Oh, my God. Because it, it, you know, it's sort of like when people think they see a UFO or something. Right. You know, it's like, I, no, I saw a UFO. It's like, well, do you know all the different possibilities? <laughs> you know, and it's like... You, for someone who you know suffers from hypochondriasis, they go directly to the one possibility that will worry them, which is, well, and and there's a there's a number of elements to this that I want to comment on. (laughs) One is is that you know almost nothing about biology. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you don't know much about... And you even looked it up and yeah.
1: and probably saw nothing that looked like what you saw in your but, toilet. To, to be fair, there were pictures of intestinal worms online that sort of resembled the thing, okay. the floss. But the fact about tapeworms is that is not what you would see if it were a tapeworm. Right. You would see little white segments because they have segments. Yeah. You would see them mixed in with poop if you were paying close attention. Right. So there's that. Um, also,
0: you know the fact that you heard about some story, and then all of a sudden you have that problem. That's right. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like. So there's that element, you know, that sort of planted a seed and then that colored everything that you saw from that point (laughs) forward. Um, You know, there's, I I can imagine looking at that in the toilet and being like, what in the world is that? Right. You know, like, but for you and for other people with hypochondriasis, they will jump to, in their mind, the most logical worst scenario. You know, for (laughs) someone that doesn't know what a tapeworm is, they might have thought, you know, some other terrible things happening to them, you That's know, right. like, you know, like, I don't know, certain parts of their body are coming out of them sure. or something or, you know, who knows. But, you know, uh, so so it has all those elements. And when um, you went to the Internet, you didn't find anything to reassure you and you didn't look up like. Or, or maybe you did. Did you look up like common mistakes that people no. think? No, I did not. Do you know what I mean? No. Like what What else
1: could it be, you know? No, notice also that I wasn't aware in the evening as I was flossing and throwing my floss. I didn't even connect the dots then. Yeah. Right? So because my mind, that couldn't be the possibility. It has to be these terrible possibilities.
0: Right. Like if you would have logically said... Well, okay, it could be tapeworms, but what else could it be? Right. Let's let me let's walk right. back in our minds. What else? And it was you was the thing. You didn't even have to ask <laughs> anyone. All you had to do was go on your
1: own, own yeah. line like, oh, well, last night I do fl- Oh, it, maybe it's the floss. Maybe it's floss. Yeah. It's not like I found it there and it was the previous uh, uh, occupant of that hotel. Right. It was me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now. To be fair,
0: I have run into that, too, and and understand the power of the amygdala to right. focus. You know, we evolved to focus on danger, and, and because when we focus on it, we alleviate it, you know? Right. A tiger is, you know, you're walking down the path in the African savanna, and you have a tree to your left, and a monkey, and you have a, be- you know, a little beetle crawling on the ground, and you have a tiger. And what are you going to pay attention to? The you know? beetle. <laughs> yeah. You, you're going to pay attention <laughs> to poisonous. the tiger. Everything else is going to become completely forgotten right. that it even exists because there's a tiger that is going to eat you. Yep. So when you have a threat that your brain goes to, your your mind can't think about anything else in it, and it just focuses on that. And so, and we'll get into how to break that cycle in a second. Okay.
1: Well, oh, what if the beetle were Paul McCartney? Ooh. That would be a challenge.
0: That would be a challenge. What, 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 what would you do if you had Paul McCartney on your left and a tiger that was about to eat you on your right? What would you do?
1: I would say, Paul, I'll save you, yeah. you know, and then I'll run so that the tiger chases me. And even though I'll probably die, at least Paul McCartney will know that fella saved my life. Yeah. Laddie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yesterday. (laughs) A
1: Colombian saved my life. (laughs) That tiger was gonna eat me alive. (laughs) He only got five feet. (laughs) (laughs) Tapeworms. I just saw one in my toilet this morning. (laughs) Maybe it was the scrambled eggs that
0: I ate. (laughs) (laughs) That was a meta joke right there. (laughs) Um, Okay, last story about this. I one time I'm going number two and you know, you always got to look at it, you know, you got to look. And I looked at it and it, it, there was blood like, Oh
1: no, all, no, no it was just I... so
0: much blood, you know? And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm dying. Like I'm totally dying. But this is years ago and I probably didn't even have health insurance at the time. So I was just like, well, I guess I'm dying. And, and, that's <laughs> <it>. and so, <laughs> And then, um, and oh, then God. somehow it. I like. I did it again. It was so long ago. I don't remember the details. But somehow I figured out. Oh, it's beats. Beats. Yeah. I know. So, so my dad actually. This happened to him recently too, <laughs> and he suffered for like, like a month without knowing. You know what I mean? Like, oh. well, I think it, I think it happened once, and then he, you know, being a a stoic Japanese man, he just sort of internalized it. Oh you know? no! But he was like really concerned and then like a month later somehow it came up between him and my mom and, and and she's like well you know
1: when you eat beets and he's like oh anyway um isn't it amazing by the way that people can go all their lives not know that fact yeah that happened to me as well that happened to so many people i know yeah you will eat beets and your well, like, oh, beets, are are so, well, beets are so good
0: yeah and they're they're in style now. Yeah, you know, I feel like they're they're having a. Nothing beats them. Yeah, and then the next morning or that evening or whatever, you're like, yeah. I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that when they sell these, you know, things, there should be because it's often it's not often that one makes a beet salad, right? Usually, you buy a beet salad. Sure. Do you, uh, have you ever known anyone to make a homemade beet salad? I haven't. Yeah, but I'm sure people do. Yeah, but. At any rate when yeah. you when you buy a salad that's made you know it's primarily sometimes it's just like beets and oil and vinegar or something right. or it's just like a big pile of beets a-
1: and they sell these smoothies nowadays with a lot of stuff like beets in them and, okay and so
0: so there should be a, a sign that yeah. says by the way <laughs> later on it's gonna look like you're dying you're bleeding <laughs> from the behind side and to be clear you might be but yeah. but you are uh, definitely are seeing at least some of the results of your work earlier.
1: Do, do you know that with enough, it can also make your, your sometimes your pee look pink? Really? Yeah. I think I've seen that actually. Yeah. And another thing is vita- uh, so, uh, vitamin B6, one of the Bs, yeah. uh, turns your pee uh, yellow a really br- sorry neon green yeah yellowish. I remember I, I used to take a multivitamin back in the day and I remember right. I, I, like my pee would just be like fluorescent right like Gatorade <laughs> the first time that happened to me I was also freaking out too <laughs> what were you freaking out about that time I'm like I'm radioactive dude <laughs> I'm like Mr. Burns <laughs> I'm turning into a glow stick
0: <laughs> take
1: my junk to a rave can you imagine for a second if I had had Beats, vitamin B complex, and tapeworms. (laughs) You'd look in the toilet and your head would
0: explode. All right, so let's get into the clinical stuff here. All right, so again, in the DSM-5, we have somatic symptom disorder and illness anxiety disorder. They're both basically the same, except for one distinction that I'll get into in a second. But So they both have distress about about health concerns, right? So you're describing it pretty well. You, you know, and for me too, like I have those brief bouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you're describing it, we're not really going into detail cause we're trying to keep it light, but you know, I, 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 I'm guessing that your experience is similar to mine in that it, it, you know, when I'm worried about a health concern in the hypochondriacal way, it is. It ruins my life. I'm in a. I'm in a bad mood. Right. It's like depressing. I'm. You know. I'm. I'm very worried. I can't enjoy my life. I. I look around at the world and everyone else seems like a lucky dog. <laughs> and I'm just like that person isn't bleeding from behind side. You know. And that person doesn't have tapeworms uh, oh every day. You know. Like. It, like. It, everything I do becomes painted in that. Yeah. In that feeling. Right. Is that it takes you?
1: over your head? Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, right. So you have to have distress, um, excessive thoughts, feelings, or behaviors. That's that's the big the big kind of phrase is excessive thoughts, feelings, or behaviors about these medical concerns. Now, what's excessive? You know, it's a hard hard one, and experts in the field can detect it. You know, right. Uh, You know, if you sort of ramped down your symptoms, say, to 25%, would you – is that excessive, you know? Maybe maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And it also has to last for six months. Oh, really? Yeah. So have you had, like, ongoing worries about health concerns for six months or or longer?
1: Uh, Yes. Um, In fact, so something interesting that happened to me that – and by the way, this is how messed up deciding what is – worthy of coverage from health insurance and what isn't uh so when i was younger i my teeth used to uh they you know how normally the the bottom teeth sit behind the top teeth in the front yeah my teeth wouldn't they would clash together oh and so for my entire from when i was like 15 all the way till i was about 30 when I finally did something about it. You were really good at eating carrots. I was really... Yeah. No, but this was always on my head because, number one, I could never fully close my jaw. Oh, my God. I, I always had to have a small gap. And this is hard to imagine. What? So, so you would walk around and... My life, yes. My entire life. And you, you wouldn't be able to close your mouth. Mm-hmm. It would be like... Oh, you can't see it right now, but it would have to... Inst- my lips were closed, but underneath my lips, I was not making contact... Because making contact was really uncomfortable. Oh, my God. And, number one, number two. I've never two, heard of that. I I, I I, would be so, that would bother me so much. Well, it bothered me constantly. And number two, I was always thinking about it. Like, Th- I mean, like always. Don't, don't close constantly. your mouth. Constantly. Not only that, but also always like, I wish I could do something about this. I wish I could do something. Imagine something that lasts for 15 years. So, wait a second. Let, let me just ask a quick question. Side note.
0: Before this bad experience, did you have hypogondriasis?
1: As a kid, I think I learned it from my grandma, but I don't remember. But like when
0: you were 10 or 12, do you remember having lots of medical concerns? I, had,
1: I was sick a lot, for real. I had a lot of colds and bad coughs and bad colds. And oh, really? I, I lived in a smoking household. Oh. And uh, Bogota is cold. At least it used to get very cold in the evenings. So it wasn't uncommon for me to catch things. So I had, I, was a, uh, I had a lot of colds and coughs when I was a kid. Huh. So it was sort of hard for me to be a hypochondriac because I was sick all the time.
0: <laughs> but you didn't worry about tapeworms or heart no, attacks? No, 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 So you, you had actual problems. I had actual problems. Okay. So we'll get into causes later, but uh, it's possible that because of those experiences, that kind of, yeah. and your anxious disposition.
1: And my grandma, I would watch my grandma have all sorts of claims of illness oh really yeah did and as a kid did you worry about her i did and in fact not only did she i worry ra- about, she raised you for a time yes yeah. from, for a lot of so she yeah. was like your mom for a time. that's right and not only did i worry about her because she was saying that but i saw my grandpa deteriorate to almost complete dysfunction because of uh, mental deterioration and later my grandma developed alzheimer's so i like sort of had confirmation that oh yeah you can catch these crazy life debilitating and ending d- diseases right um, right, so, so
0: so those experiences, like any other trauma, yeah, can cause one to worry That's about right. it. You know, you are abandoned as a child. Well, then it's not unlikely to, as an adult, worry about abandonment. That's right. So you're seeing all these health c- problems. Uh, play out around you, and people worry, and you are sick as a kid, and you have this jaw thing. Those traumas can create the neuronal pathways that are habitual. That's right. That can lead to something like hypercondryasis.
1: And by the way, when I did, when I was thirty, I decided, or twenty-nine, I decided finally, I had enough, and I went to an orthodontist, and I'm like, "Can you do anything about this?" They're like, "Yeah, of course." What they and, do. Well, they, I had to wear braces for, for a while, and then I had to wear a, a retainer at nights, and then it got, it, it got, it got fixed. Yeah. They fixed it. I feel like I remember you wearing yeah, a Yeah, I had braces. Remember when I met you? I had colored braces. Yeah. Like, but here's the catch. So first of all, they're like, yeah, of course we can do something about it. I didn't know that that could be fixed, number one. Number two, I'm like, great. Well, I have great insurance. I work for a good company. They're like, okay, we'll check. I don't think it's going to be covered by insurance. And sure enough... I wrote a letter to the insurance company explaining how much of my life this affected. Right. It wasn't cosmetic. No. Right. And yet, nothing. Nope. Sorry. So I had to pay it all out of pocket. It cost me thousands and thousands of dollars.
0: Right. Because it's assumed that you're doing it because you're trying to, you know. Fix my teeth. Yeah. It's like a boob job. And
1: yet, when it was done, my life changed dramatically. Like I I could close. I can... mm, I've, my jaw's closed. I know. My jaw's closed, <laughs> dude. And I didn't have to obsess about. It. I, 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 it changed my life. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's awful. How did we get on that conversation? I was talking about how it, I, I, you were asking me if I obsessed about anything health related for six months, and oh. I obsessed about it for fifteen years.
0: Well, lately, like as an oh. adult, like well, the, the last four or five years, have you had not for that length of time. because like that would not, you know, constitute hypochondriasis because. It's not excessive, no. for someone to be upset no. about not being that's able fair. to close that's their fair. mouth. I that's mean, true. Come on, I guess the answer is no. Okay,
1: so, I've, so you had a periodic. Yeah,
0: how often would you say, like in like a week out of a month or a week no. out of every three months?
1: Yeah, I'd say I'd say maybe that's better. A week out of every three months would not be out of the question. Okay. So you would not qualify
0: for somatic symptom disorder or illness anxiety disorder because it's not it's not a long period of time. It's not all the time. Hmm, okay. So that's one of the distinction I want to make is that the, it's very common for all of us to worry about some kind of medical worry, right. especially when you actually have something wrong with you. It's, that's the other thing I want to point out is that if, you know, for instance, with your jaw, yeah. I don't think any, I think nine out of 10 people or more would have had the same experience, if not worse than yeah. you. And so, so if you're worried about a legitimate thing, you know, like you had a heart attack and you're worried about having another one, then, you know, that's that you don't qualify for this because it's not excessive to, to it. It's not excessive to worry about reality. Right. Whereas if right now I was still worrying about tapeworms. Right. Exactly. That, that would be a good example of, of what we would you know characterizes a mental illness even after all that stuff and your mom said that you'd be like well but i kind of i, I could have swore i saw it move right right you know what i mean and and i did eat that salmon Kirk. Right. you know you're you're like you're you're just so convinced because <laughs> your your brain is such that you feel very upset and your brain looks for an explanation you know and it says well it must be because there's actually something to worry <laughs> about well what what's something that would be logical to worry about. Well, it's, you know, tapeworms. And so your brain gets in this loop. It's sort of like an, obs- <laughs> it's, it's akin to OCD, you know, right. and it's impervious to evidence. And, and it is very frequent, you know, people who have hyper, you know, have somatic symptom disorder. It, it is, it is an everyday round the clock kind of problem. Hmm. So, so now, you and me are in a category that don't qualify for this label, but you know, we're, we're on that spectrum. We're heading in that direction. But for people who actually need, like, like you probably don't need mental health treatment for, you know, you and I probably don't need it. Do you know what I mean? It's not, you know, one week out of every three to six months, you know, it's like, it's, we're not doing too bad in that situation. But if it was, imagine if it was like, Two month, two weeks out of every month, you right? Know, where you're just it's like debilitating in that, in that state,
1: where you stay home from work, you can't work because you're so worried right. or whatever, right? Yeah. And you get depressed too because yeah.
0: you're just like, what's the point? You know, what do you think the pre- pre- prevalent? So, so with, so with somatic symptom disorder, the difference between somatic symptom disorder and illness anxiety disorder, and just to be clear, there's no hypochondriasis in the DSM anymore. So you have somatic symptom disorder illness, anxiety disorder. Somatic symptom disorder is when you have actual somatic symptoms. You actually actually have bodily symptoms. You
1: feel something and then you're over-analyzing or over-worrying about it, et cetera.
0: Right. Like your pain that you felt with your appendicitis, quote-unquote. But your... well, and, you know, I don't know how someone would categorize your tapeworm thing because you actually can see something, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But but for people who, uh, the typical illness anxiety label is given to people that there, there's really either minimal somatic symptoms or no somatic symptoms. So in this category, you would give this label to someone who is worried about a heart attack, but they have no, you know, when you ask them, oh, so are, are you having heart palpitations? They're like, No. Do you have any pain in your chest? No, right. I'm just I'm just really worried. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a heart attack, you know. And so that's what we label illness, anxiety disorder. To me, I have no idea why the DSM decided to break these out into two. Uh, to, to me, they're so close in right. definition. Why not just say have two different types of hypochondriasis? One that has somatic symptoms and one that doesn't. <laughs> you know, right. like I, I don't know why we needed to.
1: De- Especially, I mean, maybe they have better data or whatever, but. It does – I could imagine someone experiencing both types at different times based yeah, on how right. I am. And yeah. I realize that I don't quite fit into the full – Right. It feels like it's the same disorder
0: that they just are arbitrarily kind of breaking up into two. you know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure they have research, quote, unquote, demonstrating the importance of differentiating these two. But I don't know. I'm unconvinced.
1: I, I remember um, my grandma – and I, I don't know if it was maybe a common thing because I felt like several of her friends were similar where – they would always be lamenting their conditions, yeah. Like, oh, it's because I have this thing or whatever, right? But the irony was, like, my grandma. How would was they a, say that in in Colombian? Ay, como sabes, yo siempre sufro de lumbago or whatever. <laughs> but the irony is, like, she was a daily. You you pronounce heavy that, Ron? Smoker. It's, it's umbago. Lumbago. Yeah. Uh, she was a heavy daily smoker. So the, there was a cognitive dissonance there, right? Like the worry should have been, oh, I probably have lung cancer or I'm developing some serious side effects of smoking. No, it was never about that, right? It was always other stuff. Interesting. Um, so it, it is, uh, now, and I'm probably being, I, I don't know how much she had it or whatever, but I heard her speak that way. And my dad was always complaining that she was always making up symptoms too. Yeah. Interesting um, that your dad became a
0: psychiatrist. Yeah.
1: Um, what
0: percentage of the current population in the United States do you think has these disorders? These,
1: oh, interesting. Um, like 10%. Uh,
0: close. You know, 6 six to 10. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of people. 1 in know. 10. Yeah, it's Wow, that is a lot of people. 1 in 10, 1 in 20. It's it's a lot of people that qualify for this diagnosis. There's a lot of people who are worried about, and I'm guessing a lot of our patrons uh, qualify, actually, Wait or, a minute. or on the spectrum.
1: If it's that common, maybe I do have this. <laughs> Uh, all right.
0: Uh, now it's similar to OCD as I said before. In fact, one could even kind of make the argument that it is oh, it's just a subtype of OCD. I, I would actually make that argument. Oh, interesting. One could also even make an argument that it's a subtype of generalized anxiety because you know it's just it's just particular things that you're worried about generally. It also is sometimes confused with conversion disorder, which is kind of the opposite direction. Essentially, mm-hmm. with conversion, it's like you're turning some sort of psychological process into a physical symptom right. rather than interpreting a physical symptom and having it create a mental process.
1: You know, we have a common friend who suffered or suffers from OCD yeah. and washes his hands, or used to, I don't know if he still does, incessantly. you know. And the sad tragedy is, i didn 't know this for most of my relationship with this person, uh, and one time many many, many years ago, I threw up inside of his car mm. because I was too drunk. Mm. Can you imagine mm-hmm. having that all af- those ta- of- all those tapeworms all those tapeworms? Can you imagine having that aversion to like dirt yeah. or you know and then now there's throw up in your car
0: well it, it depends oh. so so o c d is not a rational it's not usually rational okay. and so for some people that's not a big deal. You I You know, see. like... well,
1: um, oh, then I don't feel bad at all. Well, so... do it again. <laughs> you just have...
0: You would have to ask him, you know. It's like... It's like you're, you're trying to put a rational uh, lens on OCD. Sure. OCD often has very little rationality to okay. it. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, okay. So, common presentations in my experience. This is just from my experience. Um, people with these disorders, um, somatic symptom disorder, illness, anxiety disorder, they will interpret any small sensation in the worst possible way, you know? So we've already kind of talked about that. Any, any out-of-the-ordinary situation, you know, like something in the toilet or, uh, you know, heart palpitation or dizziness or a little pain in one place or fatigue or, you know, there's this, or, you know, stomach issues will always be interpreted in the worst possible way, you know. Whereas mm-hmm. for people without this disorder on the other end of the spectrum, uh, you and I might be in the middle, so, so we say, people on the other side of the spectrum will go, huh, that's funny, I have vertigo, moving on in life, you know. Right. Or, huh, that's funny, I have a pain in my chest, moving on. In, like it just doesn't, it, it doesn't even register, you know, right, it, doesn't, right. it doesn't trip that that cascade effect in one's brain where that's all you're
1: thinking about. Right. What was that show where the guy was always like, Oh, this is the big one. Do you remember that? He was uh, always... Sam Sam's Herd and son. Is that the one? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, this is the big one. This I'm, is the big I'm coming.
0: I'm coming. Uh, what was his <laughs> wife's name? His dead wife. Uh, I'm coming Phyllis or whatever. Anyway, anyway, uh, they also have frequent trips to the physician. Uh, how often do you go to the physician? Would you say?
1: Uh, well, I do my yearly checkups, and when I do have real symptom, well, <laughs> the tapeworm not, <laughs> tapeworm notwithstanding, there are times where I have had real symptoms. Like but that. like per year. How many times you go? Just don't don't
0: qualify okay. it. Ten times. Okay, so that's a lot. So that uh, you know that that corresponds with now it could be all legit ish, yeah. but it's. An indication. The, the,
1: and it's not always my physician. It's also specialists. Okay. So,
0: that's fine. But, you know, depending on... Now, if someone's pregnant or if you've got, you know, kids or... No, no. Like, this
1: is me. Like, yeah. I... But it's... I mean, in this case, I'd say eight out of ten are real things. Like, my... But but it's still... Indica- now, I'm glad
0: you're going to your physician. Yeah. But it, it's, it indicates your, your middle range on the spectrum sure. in that yeah. you go. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, I have a cold. I'll I'll go to the physician. Yeah. A lot of other people are like, yeah, you know. Anyway, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying it indicates a, a sort of medical concern and sort of it, alarm. This behavior. is a, a
1: good point. But as an example, last year, I, I hurt my lower back. I know a lot of people that would not go to a doctor for that. They'll just sit there and rest until it gets better and hope it gets better. You're right, maybe, but in this case, I'm glad that I'm like this. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna go check it out anyways because I don't know if I yeah. hurt my disc. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I you think know? in
0: general that's better practice.
1: Yeah. Most people don't, but
0: anyway, another thing is even after even after several tests, they are still a hundred percent convinced that the physicians are missing something, and Ooh. this is something you don't suffer from, right? But people with actual you know health Ill, uh, illness anxiety will. They're 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 impervious for usually to, to any evidence. any kind of evidence. Yeah, interesting. Um, they are they also don't respond well to people reassuring them. So if was, if a physician like in your situation, your physician is like, I don't think it's a th-, you know, and and with someone with health anxiety, because of their patterned behavior and sort of their experience with other physicians, sort of poo pooing them, they will get angry. They'll be like, How dare you! Yeah. Are you saying it? You know, you don't know what it is. Right. You know, you and all your stupid tests. You can't. You can't. Te- you know, they, there's now again. Not everyone with health anxiety, but but it's a it's a it market. Can happen. Yeah, I see. Um, they might be very careful about their health, like diet, um, not doing anything dangerous. They might be obsessed with allergies or GMOs or toxins, quote unquote, or preservatives, quote unquote, or other things like that. You'll, you'll find people on the spectrum are, you know, they, they tend to think much more about their diet than other people do. Mm. Um, they might frequently check their bodies, like blood pressure or moles or, you right. know, or I don't know, just various different ways of checking the body. They might develop an antagonistic relationship with medical professionals because they're frequently labeled as someone who doesn't have legitimate claims. Huh. Also, when they're referred to a therapist by a physician, they will get upset because it's like, it's all in my head. How dare you? Um, It can be overlooked in older adults because many think that they actually suffer from all those things. You know, if you're 80 and you have health anxiety, people are more likely to be like, well, you know, he or she probably has all those things because she's 80. But, you know, you can have health anxiety, excessive health anxiety that's untreated. Um. People might obsess about news stories like the Ebola news stories, you know, like when the whole Ebola thing came out like two or three years ago, that was a good litmus test for who has health anxiety and who doesn't. Yeah. And it's a good indication to me that I have a very low case of health anxiety because I, you know, was concerned and actually looked up the research and like asked or, you know, went to actual experts to hear not what the fucking news was saying. Sure. Because they want to get you scared, you know. And so I wanted to look up the actual likelihood, and and there were a lot of reports early on. It's like, well, we really don't know, but you know, here's this, here's what it would look like if it actually did kind of have an outbreak in the United States, blah blah. blah. And then at the end of that whole thing, I was like, oh okay, I th- you know, it, things could go horribly, but there's a lot of other horrible things that could happen to me in life. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I could get run over by a car, or I could you know right, right, develop right. some sort. And and so I moved on, but I did see a lot of other people completely huh. you know flip out. Because of, I don't really. I can't even explain why everyone flips out. Because the flu kills every kills like fifty thousand Americans a year, right. thirty thousand. So it's like if Ebola, how many people did Ebola kill? Like three, three yeah. two in the United States. So I am like, okay, even if Ebola, you know, worst case scenario, kills thirty thousand people in the United States. It still doesn't c- uh, compare to the amount of people who die from the flu every year. You yes. know what I mean? Or car wrecks, <laughs> or car wrecks, or HIV, yeah. or obesity, or you know things right. that we actually, you know, alcoholism, real epidemics, yeah, yes. opioid use. You know, there's
1: and of course, granted, any virus or whatever, if it, if it were to become a pandemic, well, that would be a very serious issue. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I like you wasn't, uh, when when that came out. I mean, I was. I was uh, certainly a little worried for the people in that city. You know, I'm like, well, that could be bad. But I, I wasn't worried it would affect me personally. Whereas I do get worried with things like <clears throat> the, uh, you know, when they when they talk about uh, the ticks and tick season, mm-hmm. that worries me. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, as a person who grew up, I don't know what Bogota was like, but I grew up in the country, in the woods, Mm -hmm. and ticks were, you know, kind of a regular mosquito. I I remember one summer I counted, no joke, 200 mosquito bites on my body (laughs) because as a kid growing up in a moist, you know, uh, Sammamish Plateau environment where there's lots of standing water... And you, and because we didn't have anything to do inside, because right. there is no video games or you know TV or anything or Twitter or anything, so we're just in the woods and we're playing in these mosquito-infested <laughs> cesspools. Yep, and you know, you are getting bit- at, it, at any given. T- and I am not wearing any you know protectant, and I right. and I have you know eighties or seventies. You had very short shorts, Right. so um, anyway. but then
1: luckily there was no real transmission of disease at that point.
0: Well, my point is is that. I'm very acclimated to that kind of thing to the point where, yeah, I'm glad because I don't I don't right. worry about too. I was
1: the same way with with mosquitoes. Like I got bit incessantly in cr- crazy amounts in yeah. Bogota. But if you had grown up in an area with malaria, ugh, you probably yeah. would be very sensitive to mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, um, I know you have to go, so I'm gonna race
0: through this. Uh, they might be anti-vax. You know, someone who is worried about vaccines. Oh um, right, irrationally. Yeah. Um, Children, according to research, when they have health anxiety and they very much can have it, they will tend to focus on one particular symptom for whatever reason. Mm. It's not all the time, but whereas adults tend to have many symptoms that they concern themselves with. It's often comorbid with depression and anxiety. It's more uh, prevalent with lower levels of education and lower levels of wealth. So lower socioeconomic status, you're more likely to have it. Interesting, um, and the symptoms completely depend on the culture. So, whatever you know, you know. I'm convinced that 300 years ago, the things that people would focus on with their health anxiety would have been like humors and stuff. You know, it wasn't <laughs> what you know now, right? right? You wouldn't have worried about viruses back then because they didn't know they existed. So, it's so different cultures around the world. You'll see different kinds of things that people generally obsess on, right? All right, causes. Uh, genetic disposition to anxiety. It can also be precipitated by an actual medical condition. So people can you know, actually have a legit medical condition that can be traumatic to them.
1: And then they develop.
0: This. And then they develop health anxiety. It makes sense, right? You, you get in a car accident and you worry about cars. Yeah. Um, can be precipitated by just general stress, work stress, a divorce, mm. this kind of thing. Grief, death of a loved one. This can precipitate it. Being neglected as a child. This is also oh, another big thing, yeah. So because y- when you're neglected as a child, you're basically taught on a experiential neuronal level that no one is there to help you. Oh, and so right. y- you develop a kind of constant state of fear. And when you're in a constant state of sort of baseline fear, your brain looks for things to worry about. Hmm. And, you know, everyone, it's rational to kind of worry about health. And so your, your brain... That, that's one thing that has helped me a lot in terms of helping people and also helping myself is that the thoughts you have are sometimes a result of a feeling, you know, mm, right. that you, you have a feeling, especially with just anxious people like you and me. It's like your body experiences, experiences anxiety and then your frontal lobe decides what you're worried about, not necessarily right. the other way around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, And so anyway,
1: you know what just occurred to me is um, how ironic my dad was always saying that my grandma was hypochondriac. but I just realized it's from my dad that I get the like my dad was always obsessed with did you wash your hands? Did you um do, did you drink that milk before we boiled it? Don't don't drink, you know, like the water has to be boiled away. The bacteria, they left that meat out for an hour, like that's bad. You can't eat that. Like oh my god, he that's was so like you. That. That's yeah. so you. And so now I'm realizing. Wait a minute. Who was the actual hypochondriac?
0: Well, and your dad <laughs> was the son of your grandma. That's right. And yeah. so it run. So the behaviors and maybe also the
1: he, he did it from a doctor's point of view. Like, do you realize how many bacteria there are per square inch, and you know, like that kind of thing? <laughs> and
0: uh, that's another thing. Growing up in the country, uh, there was no talk about any of that stuff. I mean, you were in a. I just I was in a constant just dirt. Cloud as right. a child, you know, and I, I remember um, <laughs> I had the filthiest hands. I remember because you know I'm out, I'm climbing all trees, day, right? getting pitch on my hands, and dirt is sticking to it, and and you know I'm probably literally throwing dog poo at my friends, you know, <laughs> and so I, I come home and it's dinner time, and we're all sitting Did around the wash table, your hands? <laughs> and and my mom is like, Kirk, wash your hands, and I look at my hands, and they're it's just they're they're black. <laughs> You know, and there's there's just stuff oh under the fingernails, and I and I remember looking at my mom like, oh, really? Like I, I think about that now, and I'm like, if I had just a tiny, <laughs> I would wash my hand. And back then, I was just it was you know I didn't <laughs> bathe every day. You, you probably
1: know? developed a good immunity system.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, I am actually allergic to nothing, so I guess maybe <laughs> that's that's saying something. But anyway, treatment. Okay, so. Although I do have, I think, a mild allergy to, like, whatever is in the air all the time. Yeah,
1: me too, dude. I am definitely becoming more and more like that.
0: But, like, mild, like, where I just have, like, a little bit of snot. Not like it's terrible. Anyway. All right, treatment. Number one, obviously, therapy. Uh, Cognitive behavioral therapy, trauma therapy, grief therapy, family of origin therapy, psychodynamic therapy, mindfulness can help humanistic therapies can work being in the now, you know, because you're, when you're worried about uh, having a tapeworm, for instance, you're, you're not living in the now, you know, it's like, if someone said, you know, like Yoda, don't think about the future. Think about right. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling right now? And you'd be like, well, I'm feeling fine and be like, well, so maybe you do have it. Maybe you did, or maybe you do have a tapeworm. Are are you okay right now? Right. And you're like, well, yeah, well, then what are you, why are you future tripping? You know, you're cat, you're catastrophizing the future because oh, in your head, you're like, like, well, if, if we would have gone back to that moment and I would have been like, so worst case scenario, you, you have tapeworms in your intestinal system. Uh, then what, what would you have said?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess if I had started to rationalize, well, I guess there are ways to deal with that, but no, but I would have
0: said like, well, you know, what's the consequence to you having tapeworms in your system right now? Right now? nothing really yeah so so that's that's a a, a humanistic gestalt but right. also it's a um cognitive behavioral approach of just like listen and i do this with clients all the time and it and actually i would say 50% of the time it works it's like cuz most people what they do is like i have tapeworms the world is ending you know like i have tapeworms freak out yes, right? right instead of like well let's walk ourselves through this you know let's say you have a 100 tapeworms in your body right now Uh, tell me what is the actual consequence of that? You'd be like, well, I don't know. Well, okay, let's look it up, you know? Uh, You'll be malnourished for a time, you know? And then you'll take an anti-parasitic drug that might have a couple side effects, and then that'll likely do you, you know what I mean? Um, And they're not going to eat their way out of you. You know, (laughs) they they just sort of sit... in, In fact, right now, you have... What could be called parasites, or or you right. know, uh, symbiotic organisms, Billions. living in and outside of. I mean, we have something like five thousand bugs crawling on our face at any given time. <laughs> actual bugs, not bacteria. Yeah, or like t- a thousand or two thousand or something. Like actual, you know, tiny little right, right, right. tiny little ants are or tiny little spiders are literally crawling on on our face eating Man. our oils and our dead skins our face is covered in bugs because ah! our, bug, our face is just, uh, uh, it's, it's constantly it's spilling out food for it, for these animals <laughs> yes. who have evolved, you know, to, yes. to, to do that. And so, so, you know, walking yourself through those cognitions, you know, and sort of that's, that's cognitive therapy. That can, okay. by, by
1: the way, there's a story that sticks out in my mind, uh, of my grandpa's sister and her sister. So his, both of his sisters, they used to live together and they told us one time, one of them actually did have a tapeworm and her sister had to help pull the pull segments out. out. And right. that story stayed with me. Yeah. So it's, and I, I'm realizing now that probably also had an effect. <laughs> right.
0: Right. But even that story, it's like, now I don't know anything about tapeworms, but I, I just I, I think it's one of those things where it's not the best, but it's you know much worse things. Yeah, like right. Um, the, but the main therapy that I recommend people consider, besides the things we've talked about, are, are existential therapies because if you can g- develop an understanding of the fact that you're going to die, and an ex- or and grieve grieve the the loss of the notion that you're not going to die, then I think that helps a lot because that's, mm-hmm. what's helped me is when I have a, you know, a sensation in my body, like huh heart attack. I, because I've done decades of existential work, I very quickly have a very deep sense of could be a heart attack, could be dying, but I'm going to die anyway. Right. <laughs> so, you know, Maybe this is my time. It's sort of like when I'm on an airplane. Now, I'm not saying I'm completely anxiety-free, but it's helped. Like I'm on an airplane and, you know, it gets a little bumpy or it gets a little funny on the landing. You know, we kind of, you know, know, some some planes are kind of freaky when you really think about it. Yes. (laughs) And, And I'll think, is this, you know, is this going down? Uh, incidentally, I you know Chris Glover. He's he works for the FAA. And, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. he's an engineer for the FAA, or no, a lawyer for the FAA. A lawyer, okay. And okay. I was asking him the other day. I was like, "How many planes do go down?" Because you know, I I ha- I don't have the statistics, and he and he's like, he's like, um, I don't think we've had one go down in the last year. And I'm like, right. in the United States, he's like, no, in the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? Like planes going down are so rare. And, like, at yeah. any given moment, there's, like, how many planes landing and taking off? There's, like, thousands of... Pl- anyway. The yeah, point- the
1: statistics, if, you, if you're using statistical, like, betting probabilities, yeah. it's like, you should die in a car wreck daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, when I'm in
0: a plane and I think, oh, maybe this is going down, you know, this is this is that moment, very quickly, I have a deep, very familiar sense of, well, if this is it, this is it. Nice. I mean, it's it's coming eventually my my number is coming eventually, and if this is that moment uh it's not the best because I'd rather live another you know thirty forty years, but you know I've lived a good life and that and i've and I've lived my purpose and that's another thing that existential you know therapy talks about It's like have you been manifesting your purpose in life, and if you have been, then you haven't wasted your time, and when you do die, it's a little bit of a comfort to say well. I with the time that everyone gets, right? Everyone's allotted, you know, X amount of time. I gave it my best shot.
1: I used my time well.
0: Yeah. So existential therapy I think can also help because it, you know, it, it but again, it has to be a deep felt familiar sense that I'm talking about. You can't just say, you know you're going to die and you just have to accept that, you know, and <laughs> okay, I accept it. You know, it's much deeper than that. Okay. So that's therapy. Number 2, medication, obviously. You can especially if you're you know, imagine imagine every day for years on end, you're worried about some health issue and it's completely ruining your life, right? You could imagine, right, you know, right. an anxiety medication. If you have brief bouts, and I highly recommend this, I'm not a physician, but go to your physician and get a benzo, get a, a yeah. benzodiazepine.
1: You mentioned those before. <laughs>
0: Valium, Xanax, uh, it's such a wonderful drug to take You know, when you have an acute uh, anxiety reaction, you know, uh, like when you were having those issues with the tapeworm, I might have said, hey, you know, get a benzo from your physician and and take it. It, It's not going to change anything about the fact you're still going to go to the doctor and you're still going to check on this, but you're going to feel a lot less anxious. Yeah. Uh, Number three. So you got therapy medication. Number three. You, you want to have a, a better relationship with medical professionals. So, as a medical professional, you want to build trust with your patients. You want to take time. You want to explain things. You don't want to minimize. And you want to help people understand psychogenic conditions. You know, it's, it's a complicated thing. Most people don't understand that psychogenic conditions exist or that placebo exists. Right. And so, as a physician it's kind of your job to explain that motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that person's sitting in front of you and you have information that is going to help them Uh, build trust, take time, explain, uh, don't poo poo them. Take the time to really let them into your medical world. It doesn't take long and that can help too. And, and research bears that out. But here's some general advice that I have. Avoid the internet. If you have frequent medical anxiety, you want to avoid going on the internet uh, unsupervised, shall we say? <laughs> be- because if your brain goes to those bad places, then the internet is not a good place to be. <laughs> also, avoid watching medical shows. I can't tell you how many people that have health anxiety when I when I point this out to them, they're like, "I watch. That's all I watch." Oh you my know, god! ER, House. Uh, blah, blah blah. I'm like, you realize what that is doing to you, right? It's just Whoa. inserting all this shit into your head. I have lupus. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing is avoid the news. I, I talk the more the older I get, the more I realize the news is a pile of shit that is designed to scare you and keep ratings up, and it is completely bad for your health. It is. It is the news in general. You know, just like general CNN bullshit. And even like the five o'clock news, is, you know, six o'clock news, for all I'm concerned, it is the cancer of our society. It yep. is why Trump got elected. Sorry, Republican listeners, Republican listeners out there, we can all agree Trump wasn't the best Republican candidate. Hmm. You know, I, 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 you know, there were other Republicans who I would have much rather had, you know, won the nomination and won the presidency. The Trump. The point is, is that. Our media and news is such a pile of crap that is – it is, you know, destroying everyone's brains.
1: Like ideally in this utopia that couldn't exist, you would imagine that there would be uh, you know, updates to the community about important topics that they should know about. You know, road closures coming up. Major projects that are going to start in your city that you should be aware of. How you can Uh, help someone in need. Absolutely, and and you know when it comes to disease. Oh, you know what? Uh, Here's the facts from the the latest facts. And here's an expert that is vaccine and blah blah blah.
0: Then here's an expert who is qualified telling you. You don't need to worry yet, and when and as soon as there's a reason to worry, right. they will let you know.
1: You don't need to know about the murder that happened. You certainly don't need to see the picture. It's not going to
0: help you. You're not going to change yes. your life anymore knowing that some, you know, poor woman was beheaded and rented and stuffed into a bag. You know, there's like there, it doesn't help your life at all. But so so in addition to all the other ills that the news creates, one of which is health anxiety, because. The news loves to trigger that anxiety people because they know it'll cause people to watch. You know, at 10 tonight, how a new virus is on the move, you know, yeah. how, how you can protect yourself, you know, it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, also another thing is learn statistics and logic. The, I can't tell you how anxiety reducing in my life, understanding statistics and logic, just in that example we gave earlier. Now, I knew, air travel statistically was extremely safe, but I didn't know how safe it was until I talked to my lawyer friend right. for the FAA. I'm like, I was just blown away. I was like, wait, any anxiety I have is completely ridiculous. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. <laughs> and so, and, and really trying to drum that into your head, you know, cause if I was just to act naturally, I would not even get on a plane. Do you know right. what I mean? It's only with statistics and logic that, gets me on that plane, and then additional knowledge of, and sort of beating statistical uh, thinking into my head makes it so that I don't really worry that much right. about turbulence. Um, and the, other, the last thing I'll say is, to people who suffer from health anxiety, is enjoy the moment.
1: This moment? Yes. Did I just run by interjecting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So like, for instance, when you were worried about the tapeworm, and you're, you know, you, if you came to me and you, I was your clinician and could bark at you, <laughs> I would say, Berto, we've talked about this. You know, you're you're thinking way outside of of right now. Right. How are you feeling right now? You know, you, you'd be, you'd be, but, but, but no. Where are you right, right now? Are your feet on the ground? Yes. What? How do your shoes feel on your feet? How? You know, how is your life? You know, is your life going okay? Do you, do you like how things are going? You know, how do you feel? What, what What's going on in your body? You know, enjoy your moment. Focus on your moment. Know your moment. Feel the moment. The further you get outside of that moment, the more likely your brain is going to look for things to worry about.
1: Spiral, yeah.
0: Any uh, final words here, Bruno?
1: Yeah, so I, I think that, in my experiences, if I were going to like give advice to myself, even now, let alone when I were younger, I would say, um, whatever it is, it's not as bad right this second, which is, goes along with your moment thing, whatever it is. If it really is that bad, then, you, then you're taking the steps to go to the ER or whatever. But none of what you're thinking right now is as bad. Right. And you will actually do way more health damage to yourself by raising your blood pressure yeah. by raising your stress level from the reaction you're having right now to right. the to the thing.
0: Having said that, there are actual psychotherapies that actually work and, you know, enjoy your moment and make an appointment with a therapist who specializes in this sort of thing. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us patrons. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it.